Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equality, inclusion and diversity in financial services. As regular listeners will know, on occasion we record episodes from leading industry conferences around the world. And today's episode is recorded live on stage on the 20th of November 2019 before a capacity audience at the Women in Payments Symposium in Sydney. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus, and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jackie Coleman, Deanne Kietela, and Felicity Blake. So Jackie Carman is the head of payments industry at ANZ. Following a 10-year tenure at ANZ, her work has been extensive across product development, innovation, and the industry as a whole. She has managed a wide range of payment product portfolios, and she plays a key role in ANZ strategy, standards, and industry positioning. And to top it off, Jackie is also a member of the Women in Payments Advisory Board in Australia. Deanne Kieselar is the General Manager for Payments and Financial Services at Australia Post, where she was responsible for products and innovation for a wide range of constituents, including consumers, businesses, and government customers. Her career journey has included serving as a General Manager of Payments at NAB, where her portfolio included domestic and international payments and the new payments platform. And Felicity Blake is responsible for ACI's New Zealand client's portfolio with more than 20 years of experience in the payments industry based in Auckland, New Zealand. Her key focus is at developing relationships to build strategic partnerships. And it is no surprise, therefore, that she is an active member of Payments New Zealand, bringing her global experience and expertise to the local conversation on payments innovation. Jackie, Deanne and Felicity, welcome to the show. Hi, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining me uh, here on stage at the symposium, which is very exciting. So um, obviously on the series, we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion in general. And today we're particularly keen to explore the conversation about recruitment. But before we do that, I want to just give you each a moment to talk about your own diversity and inclusion uh, initiatives and uh, particularly the impact that they're having. So Felicity, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Uh, ACI Worldwide is, as the name would suggest, a, a global company. And I guess if we think about diversity and inclusion, we have that inherently built into uh, the need that we have in doing business in 37 countries. Uh, so we've got about 4,500 uh, people in working at ACI. And they're in different markets which have different cultures. And that is a huge um, area of focus for us, making sure that we are catering for that diversity. Not only are we catering for them where they live and work, but of course, uh, they move around. Mm -hmm. And we have our technical consultants and our executive, um, various people moving to other markets. So they have to be aware of other cultures. So that is a very strong um, area where I think that we demonstrate and really walk uh, talk, walk the talk around uh, mm. diversity. In terms of um, gender, we have our own women's network for, um, uh, we've had it for the last six years. I'm the international co-chair. So that's um, another layer of diversity within the women's network is that we are a US-based company and we need to have representation out of US so that we're not so US-centric in everything that we think about. 
Um, we also are very aware that we need to be uh, helping the pipeline for growth in uh, women in payments and uh, to support that initiative we have some um, coding for girls workshops that we are doing. We've done them in eight markets so far and the concept is that we will um, use that as a footprint which we can then take out to other markets. Because inspiring young makes a huge difference. Exactly. Yeah. Building that interest. J Jackie let me bring you in here then. So to talk to us about your initiatives and, and what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, so it's actually um, a really big focus for ANZ, diversity and inclusion. And I think we're focused on diversity, but also the inclusion side. And uh, we are proud to say that our diverse groups in our surveys, our diverse groups are as engaged as our general population, which is, is great because that's a testament to both diversity and inclusion. Um, and not in our engagement survey, recent engagement survey, 94% of employees think the organization is accepting of individual differences. So for us, those are really good measures of inclusion um, in terms of diversity and actually creating that um, opportunity for differences. Uh, we have a number of initiatives that we are proud sponsors of, and I thought I'd just talk to a couple of those. Mm -hmm. So we have a program called Given the Chance, which we've partnered with the Brotherhood of St. Lawrence um, with refugees, helping refugees and giving refugees an opportunity for a six-month work placement, which I think is fantastic. And I think when we're talking about diversity here, it's not just about gender diversity. Um, we are talking about refugees, we're talking about the indigenous community, and we have work placement, full-time traineeship, school-based traineeship, so a lot of focus on indigenous population. Um, we've partnered with the Sydney Mardi Gras for grants for non-for-profit organizations. We are part of the Australian Network on Disability Access and Inclusion Index and have been noted as a role model there. Our DNI function within ANZ is actually relatively small in people, and the impact that we have comes from our network groups around the organization, and so that's part of how we maintain the engagement is actually getting people within the businesses involved in the conversation mm -hmm. and really having those networks drive the conversations, not yeah. just coming from the DNI specialists. So because that's the risk, because it becomes a preserve yeah. of the few rather than engagement of the many. So yeah, correct. Absolutely. So we're really proud of those networks, right. and that's been really effective. Well, thank thank you for that. And and Deanne, talk to us about what you're doing at Australia Post. For sure. I mean, as you can appreciate, diversity and inclusion is incredibly important to Australia Post. So for those that aren't aware, we, we are a postal network. Um, we also run a large logistics company focused on obviously e-commerce and getting parcels to us all because of course we're all busily online shopping. Um, we have 4,000 points of presence across Australia, or more than 4,000 points of presence across Australia, so that's a really large network. And we offer a, a diverse and a wide range of products and services um, to our customer base. So essentially every Australian is a customer of Australia Post, if you think about it that way. And so from our workforce perspective, it's incredibly important that our workforce represents our customer base. So that's, um, that's why uh, diversity inclusion is incredibly um, important to us and been a big focus. And of course, like many organisations, um, we have had our challenges in that space. And again, if you think about the fact that a large percentage of our business is a logistics company, that is in particular um, a traditionally a male-dominated uh, workforce and also um, 
quite challenging in terms of um, other um, inclusion from and in terms of other diverse groups, including people with disabilities. So our um, diversity and inclusion um, focus has been on a number of areas. One is obviously ensuring that we have the right gender balance um, across the organisation. I'm pleased to say that we've made some really great inroads in that space. We still do have some work to go in those areas that are traditionally male dominated, but we, we have um, a, a clear action plan around how we will address that, including establishment of targets and different programs to assist in ensuring that we are recruiting um, females into those roles. Um, but also um, other diverse groups, as I mentioned as well, we have uh, partnerships and programs with um, community organisations to ensure that we're also placing people with disability into particular roles. We've got a couple of trials happening at the moment, both in our network and our frontline, as well as in our corporate office as well, and ensuring that we are recruiting people with disabilities and providing them the support that they need. Um, obviously, LGBTI has been a major focus for us, like um, most um, organisations um, as well. And we also spend quite a lot of time actually surveying our staff and understanding where we can do better, um, how people feel about us being an inclusive workforce, and then taking the necessary actions and steps to address that. Because the, fe the feeling part really matters, because we talk a lot about you know, the, the roadmap to, to better diversity, if you want to call it that, and, and inclusion. But we there's a risk that we end up with this in quotas and numbers, and but actually the human being that presents every day at work has to feel that they are included and, and, and recognised in that. But it's interesting you're talking about the, the, the roadmap, and, and clearly a really key part of that is the recruitment process. And the reason why we want to talk about recruitment, particularly today, is because uh, organisations are, are striving very hard to change, and the recruitment industry uh, has a role to play in that. So, and I appreciate that, that not all of you recruit directly as such, but you're all leaders in your field. So must be thinking about this in regards to talent and, and, and the inclusion conversation. Um, so, so Jackie, let me come to you first of all. And, and what sort of changes have you seen when it comes to recruitment? Well, so ANZ recently underwent a, a major restructure and change and moved towards um, scaled agile called New Ways of Working. And as part of that, we introduced personality and behavioral testing as part of our job placement. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting because it, while we're not looking at individuals and going all the strengths, weaknesses, we don't want those people. What we're looking at is the mix of skill sets, mix of personalities that we need to build a really good and effective team placing people in the right roles and having those differences and inclusion. And I think that it is, that's um, a really good initiative that we, we've done. We also have multidisciplinary teams now and squads who are involved in the recruitment process. So you're not just talking about you know, a single manager um, making a decision. And so you, again, you have that diversity of thinking. Um, and another thing that I, I think is really important is how we lead in the culture from the top around who we select. Um, and we have a program uh, called New Ways of Leading and it focuses on attributes like, um, or concepts like connecting with empathy, empowering our people. And we look to bring in leaders that do these fundamental things that again, it's about accepting the individual, working with the individual within the organization and creating teams that are diverse and really thrive. Mm -hmm. And Deanne, let me bring you in here as well, because I mean, as you're, as you're thinking sort of about the, the, the changing mix and very interesting, uh, Jackie's point about um, the engagement of the many and also kind of the squads 
being part of that recruitment process. But at the other end of the tree, if you like, of higher up the tree, um, are you finding that the same sort of talent is being presented by your recruitment partners? Uh, and, and, and are you seeing that shift at all as, as people are becoming more aware of the value of diversity? Yeah, and I think Australia Post is certainly taking um, steps as part of the um, diversity inclusion action plan that I mentioned earlier to ensure that as we are um, thinking about recruitment, as we're going out and we're sourcing candidates, that we're putting the right frameworks and processes in place to ensure that we have a diverse um, pool of candidates for for us to, to review and to select. Um, I think also, and to pick up on Jackie's point, um, there is uh, an increased awareness from a leadership perspective around the importance of ensuring that we are uh, that we do have a diverse range of of candidates for us to to review and to choose from and to ensure that we have diversity in our workforce so that when we're selecting people um, there is an expectation on us as leaders to ensure that we're selecting um, people to 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 create a diverse that diverse workforce and we're not just selecting the same people time and time again. And, and I think one of the, uh, the questions that sort of comes from that is as leaders, current sort of top, top of the career leaders and also aspiring leaders in this room is, you know, what advice would we give to hiring managers uh, in your position who are thinking about how to recruit and how to, to bring greater diversity as well? And any tips, any, any advice you'd give the room? Yeah, so um, we, we recognise um, as a technology company that diversity is absolutely an essential element for sparking innovation. And we're working with our customers who we uh, talk about as partners because it's, that's important to us. Um, they are also doing the same. Mm. And it is incredible um, how much it matters to them. You know, we talk, I heard on an earlier panel about um, uh, making purposeful decisions from a consumer perspective. It, the, it can equally be said from a corporate or a, um, a business perspective. So um, when we think about um, beyond that um, entry-level diversity thinking about, you know, getting a lot of different people uh, contributing. Um, our recruitment processes have changed uh, to a more values-based one. So yes, you need to have the skills and the um, experience, depending on um, what level you're entering into the organisation. But um, the, the really big um, success factor is do your values, your core values, align with um, ACI's core values? Mm -hmm. And um, we have our values, we have a strategy day every year, where we talk about our values. They're very, very important core to the business. And respect is one of those. And we need to have that respect. It's, it is absolutely key to um, uh, understanding and appreciating the individuality that diversity um, brings. Mm -hmm. and, and I think part of that is um, that when you're hiring, it's quite easy to hire from paper. But when it comes to the respect and the values piece is about interviewing in a slightly different way and being very sort of open as leaders to to where those individuals fit within the organization in order to kind of uh, you're, you're, you're nodding Jackie so other thoughts from a leadership perspective about um, what leaders should be doing to 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 play a part in all of that change I think it's hiring outside your comfort zone too I mean it's it's really easy to sort of 
hire people that are like-minded, that are similar to you, that it's a safe space. And I think it's about going, well, what do we actually need? What's the set of skills that we need, the set of ways of thinking that we need? And it might be something that you're not necessarily comfortable with, mm -hmm. but it stretches you as a leader. And what you're doing is actually bringing together a team that will be better for that. And um, Scott Page, who does a lot of research in this area, talks about a diversity bonus and the fact that once you really achieve that cognitive diversity, which comes in part from identity diversity, that you actually have greater performance as a team and, and for your business. And Deanne, you're, you're nodding along with that. I mean, your, your, your thoughts on the topic as well. Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, I think there's... Um, there's a, a world of information out there now um, and evidence to support the, um, the, the impact of having diverse leadership teams, whether it's diversity on boards, and we're not just talking to gender diversity here, right? We're talking diversity more generally. So whether it be race, age, sexuality, um, to bring that diversity of thought to the table, which in turn delivers better business outcomes. And I think all of us as leaders should be thinking about that all of the time, and I can't agree more with Jackie. Um, it does require us as, as individual leaders to step outside of our comfort zone and think differently and think outside of the square about the people that we're interviewing. And what, are their, what are their backgrounds? Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily need to hire people that's got, that have 15 or 20 years of experience. When we actually, we can bring in somebody who's got the right energy, enthusiasm, or perhaps a different set of experiences that might bring in a fresh set of thinking. Mm -hmm. And it, just because they don't have experience or skills in one particular area doesn't mean those things can't be taught. And, and thinking then about um, younger talents coming to the organisation, particularly into the world of payments or indeed any, any organisation, there are sort of two parts of that. One of them is how organisations appeal to young talents, young talent that doesn't have that experience that you're talking about, young talent that comes into an organisation going, actually, does this feel like the right fit and, and actually, do I want to stick it out through that, those hierarchies? And then also about how young talent presents itself to the organisation, times when we need you know, data scientists and we need skills in certain areas as well. Felicity, let me bring you in first of all with your thoughts around, um, so where does leadership and young talent sort of combine and, and, and what uh, we should be thinking about particularly to appeal to young talent. And I deliberately use the word young talent because I'm not thinking graduates necessarily because also part of the diversity is finding young talent from many pools as well. Yeah, well, I think um, it's important for us all to be talking to young women, whether it's in a formalised program like our Coding for Girls mm -hmm. initiative, or whether it's just talking to um, your kids and your kids' friends, or, you know, they don't have to be your kids, <laughs> they're just mm -hmm. the, the children in your life, about what opportunities there are. I don't know, um, when I was going through school, I knew about a certain number of career roles, um, the options have certainly increased, but even then, there, were, there wasn't a lot of talk about um, the, the deeply technical roles, or I work for a tech company, but I'm not a technical person, so there are roles within organisations which don't have to conform to what you think it will do. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's helping um, the young people understand what their options. So that's the beginning of the pipe. And then once they're in, it really is providing that um, encouragement, that mentorship, 
um, we were talking at the table earlier about the, the need to really reinforce that confidence uh, in people. I think that women are uh, sadly less confident in our own selves and promoting our own selves uh, against um, the men. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we need to be each other's cheerleaders. Mm -hmm provide that guidance and that real confidence boost. And, and, and Jackie, would you agree with that? Do you think it comes down to uh, starting young? How young should we start to encourage that young talent into the organization? Yeah, that's right. And as you say, it's not just going to graduate programs and, and graduates. Uh, we have a program with refugees. I mentioned Indigenous Australians previously. We have a spectrum program that targets um, people with autism coming into the workplace and the, the roles and giving additional support um, as they transition to the workplace. So I think, yeah, it's about looking at our population. And again, diversity of skills and diversity of background means that you don't just go to one source for that entry level. And I think historically, maybe in Australia, we've done that a bit. But mm -hmm. I think that's changing. Mm -hmm. And Deanna, in terms of uh, the, uh, talking to listeners who are young talent and they're thinking about coming to the world of financial services or indeed payments more specifically, is uh, any advice you'd give to those listening about how to present themselves to a corporate organisation to appeal? So I, I'm a big believer that, um, that product management more, more generally, but certainly um, payments and, and the financial services space is a really fantastic um, career development opportunity for lots of different people and not necessarily because they want to come in and all of a sudden create a career as a product manager and, and be in that career for, forever and a day but an opportunity to come into this type of environment to learn skills that they may never might not actually have the opportunity to learn elsewhere um, in, including people who are, who are quite entrepreneurial and looking for um, uh, building their commercial skills for example um, and uh, building their strategic skills, their st strategic development or strategic management skills as well. So I would encourage young people who are thinking about um, roles in, in payments and financial services to, to, to really consider that and give that a lot of um, a lot of thought. In terms of how to present themselves, I think just um, have the confidence, as Felicity sort of said before, in what they actually do bring to the role. And um, look, don't get me wrong, there will definitely be roles, and financial services is such a broad industry, so it's very hard, but, um, but there would be, there are obviously definitely skills that people may need or um, uh, training that people might need in order to, to step into particular roles. But have the confidence to be able to put yourself forward. At the end of the day, when I think about ensuring that we have um, the right pipeline of talent in my business, I think about the fact that, and I come back to the point I made before about making sure that our workforce is representative of our customer base. And we talk about the rise of the millennials. And at the end of the day, uh, as we know, millennials think very differently to the way that the baby boomers think or some of our traditional customers think. And we need to make sure that we have people in our organisation that think differently to the way we do mm -hmm. and to can bring that sort of fresh set, fresh thinking and, and fresh set of eyes. And so my, my last bit of advice would be just be, have the willingness to learn. Come in with an open mindset, bring that energy and enthusiasm that we love, but but also come come with a willingness to work hard mm -hmm. and to have that willingness to learn. So, so I'm going to stay with you on this one because we're going to the last section, which is something I've been thinking about quite a lot, um, which is, as I don't want to be the doomsayer that says we're going into an economic downturn. However, however, it's a bit of what you read. Uh, I think that might bear out to be true. 
So I worry quite a lot that actually it's very easy to keep DNI on the agenda when you're growing. But at a time of economic downturn, when, when organizations will have to be reorganizing or retrenching in some way, it's really important that we don't lose this conversation. So, uh, so just picking up on your point, I mean, one of the compelling reasons to keep it on is being reflective of your customers as well. I'm really keen to hear your thoughts uh, as we go into the last you know, concluding minutes of why DNI should stay on the agenda. So, so Diane, let's come to you first of all. I think just as I've already said, um, it's important that every or any organisation, regardless of the economic economic environment, needs to um, to uh, stay relevant um, to its customer base and continue to reinvent itself and continue to thinking about how um, it develops its products and services to remain relevant. Um, and if your workforce isn't representative of your customer base, you're very going to quick very quickly become irrelevant. So um, my view is that even in a, an environment of economic downturn when people are cutting budgets and things like that, um, if an organisation is taking the steps to integrate DNI into its DNA and become part of the culture and just the way we do things around here, um, then there shouldn't be any reason why we stop thinking about diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. as, as an important, as an integrable part of the way we do business. Right. Felicity, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the topic? What would you add to that? I actually think it's um, more important when um, times are tougher. Uh, you know, I'm from a, a, one of the smallest markets uh, in the, the global economy, and we have to think innovatively about how to solve for any issue with less funding than larger markets. Mm -hmm. And so diversity is really important, as I've said, to spark that um, creative thinking. So you can't all have all of the same people in the room and get a different outcome to the last time you all met. You have to have people challenging that status quo and, and thinking about how could we do this differently to get a different outcome. And so I, I really do believe that it's core to, um, to creating that innovation and therefore even more important when uh, economic times are right. tough. Right. And, and, and Jackie, you're, you're, again, you're, you're nodding along with this. You're very compliant, so kind of very uh, admiring. But actually, what I, what I really enjoy is not only the energy in the room, because I could tell that there's an enormous amount of attention in everything that you're saying, but also the fact that actually you're building on each other's comments, which is, which is wonderful. So, so for final comments, I'm going to come to you, Jackie. So there's not a whole lot left because I completely agree with everything that's been said. I think sometimes when times are tougher, it's easier to fall back into that comfort zone. And so I think it's even more important that we, as you say, you know, we build a, a workforce that represents the population. We work towards that diversity bonus because it's even more important now than when we're growing and we're, we're um, thriving as an economy. And um, yeah, uh, it's critical. It is critical. What, what are they, the, the compelling words with which to end the uh, the conversation? I have to say, it's been it's been a fantastic conversation. And if you think about in this relatively short period of time, how much we've covered, and we've talked about organisational structures, leadership, culture, recruitment, uh, retention, and also leadership as well. And uh, thank you all so much for your thoughts. And and the only way really to wrap this up is to turn to the audience at this amazing conference at the Women in Payment Symposium in Sydney to please thank the panel today. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs>
This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com, and that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. To be sure of catching all our future podcasts, subscribe to our feed in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Diversity Podcast, remember to give us a rating or review. It all helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>